podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Intimacy is a hugely important part of human life. Intimacy allows us to develop deep connections with other people and can significantly enhance and propel our relationships forward. Unfortunately, not everyone is able to easily develop intimate relationships with people. Those who have extreme difficulty maintaining or experiencing intimacy may have a condition known as intimacy anorexia. In this episode, we're going to discuss intimacy anorexia, its potential causes, and some treatments. Intimacy is key for a happy lifetime, and as a holistic coach, Michael Roth can help people to address any causes, triggers, or issues that arise in the entire mind-body system by fully acknowledging and addressing the problem. Michael Roth is an experienced holistic addiction and wellness specialist. He is certified addictionologist with a specialty in compulsive behaviors and disorders, a certified sexual addiction recovery coach, a certified intimacy anorexia coach, and a nationally certified life coach. He's also an author and a speaker. He has been practicing in Ventura County, California for over 34 years. Here is the interview with Michael Roth. It has been almost a year since we spoke, so I'm wondering... What has changed about you, Michael? Who is Michael Roth today? Wow, what a great question. Yeah, I would say that Michael Roth today, and I think I probably said this a year ago, is that I'm out to make a difference on the planet, save people's lives regarding addictions and trauma. Yeah, making a difference. That's really big for me. That's wonderful. Yeah, you said the same thing, right, last year. Before we begin to talk about intimacy, anorexia, I have a few warm-up questions for you, as I said in the beginning, before recording. What inspires you to be a good person, to do the good work that you do today? I would say the results and, and seeing and hearing the people that I come in contact with, how their lives have become transformed much less suffering and actually experiencing uh, happiness and joy in their lives. What a great motivation, right? Inspiration. Yes. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? What a great question, Valeria. I see the world, many of the people in the world, especially today, as suffering, whether it's emotional suffering, spiritual suffering, physical suffering, and different vehicles to help transform people's suffering. That's what I think is would be really significant and make the biggest difference. Speaking of suffering, do you divide suffering into things? 
three or more um, parts, the so-called unnecessary suffering or self-created suffering and the necessary suffering. I don't, but I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it's the people that look me up or find me on the Internet or come to want to have sessions with me. It's to alleviate their suffering. And usually what I have found is they're suffering and it's a combination of emotional, spiritual and physical. Rarely is it just one. So it's really important to make that distinction and address all three. Right. Holistically. Exactly. Do you believe in God? And if you do, who and where is God? Yeah, I believe in God. God to me is that it's source. And there absolutely is a source which has created all of it. I, I'm wondering if I asked you the same question last year. What do you think is the purpose of your life? I'm pretty clear about that, but it's not just one purpose. I would say a purpose is to make a difference, like I said earlier, and be a contribution to others and to heal whatever I came into this incarnation to transform that also. I think those are the two fundamental and significant purposes for me. What do you think is the, uh, the purpose of life in general? Great question. So I would say that each of us, you know, you, me, people, as I look out the window, we come into this incarnation to fulfill on a purpose. Everybody's got their own, you know, designation, their own journey, if you will. And I think that's a big part of it. What are you saying is that we give meaning to life. Each one of us, we have unique purposes and gifts. Uh, life itself manifests all these purposes. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah. So let's talk about intimacy and anorexia. How do you define intimacy and why is it important? For those of us who are either in a relationship with a partner or a husband or a wife, intimacy, being seen, allowing somebody to see me or to see you, to me is fundamental for a powerful relationship. And what's interesting is 30 to 40 percent of the population actually can be labeled or diagnosed. Well, I don't, I'll leave the diagnosis out. I don't <laughs> diagnose, but could be labeled as having components of intimacy anorexia. Wow. Yeah, which is actively withholding connection with your partner spiritually, emotionally, or and or sexually. That's amazing. Very common. Yeah, that's way too many people from what you're saying. Yeah. Is that allowing ourselves to be vulnerable in every way connected to in intimacy? Yes, it is. If you or your partner considered uh, an intimacy anorexic, they either don't want to or are unable to be vulnerable. They actively want to withhold. And this idea of being vulnerable and being intimate with others, uh, being able to show, being seen, isn't it the first step seeing ourselves, being able to see holistically our own selves, be intimate with ourselves? Yeah, no, I'm sure there's a part of that. I keep it very, very simple. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, I want to be able to and choose to express what I'm feeling and to be okay with that and to not want to create distance, which is a big part of the intimacy anorexia label. Right. So let's talk about that. What is intimacy anorexia? It's when an individual, a partner, actively, on purpose, withholds connection, spiritually, emotionally, sexually, one of the above, two of the above, or three. There's a withholding, and they want to create distance. Can you describe how this distance is created? Or how can we perceive this kind of distance? Yeah, so often when somebody comes in, I'll ask them, you know, like 10 questions and see where they fall. 
because most people aren't aware of intimacy anorexia or that they might be dealing with it either with themselves or their partner. So it's very hidden. It's a hidden addiction. So do you stay busy on purpose? If I'm asking you, Valeria, does your partner stay busy and does it seem like they have very little time with you or for you? Or when an issue comes up, is your partner's first reflex or response to blame you? Do they, your partners, actively withhold love from you? Do they withhold praise from you and acknowledgement, withholding sex from you, or not being, or when you are sexual, not being emotionally present? Is there a withholding of spiritual connection, unwilling to, let's say, share their authentic feelings with you? You mentioned earlier vulnerability, and a very common one is, you know, do they, does your partner? use anger or silence to control you. Very, 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 very common. Do they control or shame you regarding money or spending? And then the other piece is, do you feel more like a roommate than a lover in your relationship? Oh, wow. If you have, if you answer yes to three or more, there's a chance that, you know, you struggle with intimacy anorexia. Yeah, that's very clear. The the questions, they, yeah, they will inspire us to, uh, to know the answer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned this in your article. There is a difference between intimacy, anorexia, and sexual anorexia. What is the difference? So with sexual anorexia, there's a withholding, pretty much being sexual with your partner for whatever the reason. People who have a sex and love addiction, the one extreme is anorexia and the other extreme is, you know, hypersexuality, if you will. With intimacy anorexia, the sexual component is one part of where the partner is on purpose withholding sex. And then if they acquiesce and they do have sex, they're just not even present. They're just off somewhere else in their head. So it's different. It's not the same thing as most people might think. Yeah. I mean, sexual anorexia is usually a component and intimacy anorexia has multiple components. And the sexual piece, the sexual anorexia is part of it. Right. Okay. So would the same questions you just asked earlier be applied to the sexual anorexia issue? Yeah. I, you know, truthfully, I've never really looked at it that way. But yes. So if I'm somebody who wants to stay so busy and I have little time for you, then I get to avoid being sexual. If I'm going to be angry with you and criticize you, I'll push my partner away and they, we won't be sexual. So to answer your question, absolutely, these questions could be applied to that, 100%. Right. I noticed the men, they become, when they become very anxious with work, they're less sexually active. Well, when I gave you the different characteristics of intimacy anorexia, you know, if you answered three or more of the above, then there's a pretty good chance that you struggle with intimacy anorexia. If you're anxious and, you know, and you're working a lot, you know, that that to me is a little bit different. Yeah, that will affect every area of your life anyway. Yes, yes. One of the problems associated with intimacy anorexia. The biggest impact is on the spouse who used to be really full of life and happy, is now very critical, often depressed and angry. They create distance. There's no kindness. The self-deprivation, it really impacts the partner really significantly of the intimacy anorexia. Oh, wow. So this is one of the main the problems that you just uh, mentioned. They are the main ones or there are others that we should be on the lookout for? Well, the biggest impact is, I think, on the partner. 
because like I said, they're before they were, they had this aliveness, this vitality, and being in a relationship with somebody who criticizes you and is angry with you and who doesn't want you or desire you and chooses to just do things by themselves, after a while, you know, the person begins to not value themselves. It's very, very powerful. Yeah, the effects, yeah, of that, right. Exactly. Talk to me about the types of intimacy, the emotional and spiritual intimacy. Well, to me, emotional intimacy is being able to express, well, what am I feeling to my partner? What are my emotions? What am I feeling? Usually with intimacy anorexia, they don't. There's a complete disconnect with their feelings. The same thing with spirituality with an intimacy anorexic is because one of the ways to recover from it is to pray together out loud. Because again, there's another, there's a disconnect. Oh, wow. Let's go back to the emotional intimacy. Men, they're different. We are men and women. We are, emotionally, we express ourselves differently. I noticed that men, they have a hard time opening up, expressing their feelings. If that is the case, how do we know when it's a problem or a lack of intimacy or just the way of being of, of a personality? So if I'm in a relationship with somebody and, and because I'm a guy and I'm interested in women and she asked me, would you be willing to express your feelings? And if I said, yes, I'm happy to, but I just need a little bit of prodding and I need a little bit of work. That's one thing. But then there's the disconnect. Like I have no idea what I'm feeling or with an intimacy anorexic, the lack of desire to express what they're feeling. I don't want to. Oh, the lack of desire, right. You know, that right. kind of thing. Yes, yes. With the spiritual intimacy, praying together is one way of, of expressing that intimacy. What if the husband has one belief system and the wife has a different one? Yeah, so when I say pray together, I don't mean you have to have the same theology or the same, you know, belief in uh, spirituality. The whole point of, it, of this is, is to share with your partner and to pray out loud because anybody could pray. You know, you don't need to, you can pray out loud and then your partner or husband gets to share and hear mm -hmm. what you're praying and vice versa. See, the whole point, I think, with regard to being in recovery and healing or transforming the intimacy anorexia is the actual sharing with one another. That's the point. So in the recovery part, you want to, there are exercises, you know, like I am feeling X when blah, blah, blah happens. And you actually go back and forth and you do this every day. You actually share your feelings. And like I also said, you know, you, most intimacy anorexics do not initiate. They don't initiate, you know, sex. They don't initiate. So part of the recovery is to practice initiating. And at first, it, feel, it can feel really, really awkward, but it's really, really important. And if they don't on a given day and they're back, they've relapsed because initiation is critical in the recovery process for an intimacy anorexic. And that includes, you know, the praying together also. They have to initiate. Oh, I like that. I like that, Michael. Yeah. Now it's clear that um, it's sharing. I don't have to do what my husband does or talk the way he does, but just by being there and uh, listening to him. And sharing that moment. That's the exactly very well articulated. Hmm. Another thing that I was thinking about was intimacy is confused with sexual activities, but it could be also, like you mentioned in your article, like a hug, could be a kiss. It doesn't have to be sexual. Absolutely right. So, yes, 
if I'm reaching out and I want to hug, that's a form of intimacy. Now, with intimacy anorexics, they're not going to hug. They're going to withhold. Again, the key factor here is I'm going to withhold from you, my wife, partner, husband. Now, the biggest question, what is the cause for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Great question. There's multiple causes. So very often there's trauma somewhere in the person's life. They didn't feel safe. Different things have happened to them. And then for a lot of people, they don't grow up that way. They'll have they'll be in an affair. They'll be caught masturbating to Internet pornography. And then that sets the whole stage. So, it uh, you know, there's multiple, multiple causes. But I would say, like I said, trauma different traumas in one's life, and then a trauma with regard to one of the spouses or partners acting out of the relationship, either with themselves or with another. And that often starts the whole ball rolling. Are there other causes that we should be uh, aware of? I think those are the, rather than looking at the cause, I think what would be more appropriate, because this is so insidious, and for a lot of people, there's a denial piece. So, you know, when I mentioned the questions earlier, you know, like, do you, are you too busy? Very often, you want to ask the partner the questions. Mm. Because they're going to have a different perspective because a lot of people don't believe, you know, they have reasons. They're not aware that they're angry. They're not aware that they're pushing the person away. So really, the value is owning and acknowledging and taking responsibility that, wow, wow, that really resonates. I do try to push him or her away. I do want to create distance and then doing the work from there. So how does one recognize, like if they are not aware at all, but perhaps the partner is, how do they approach them gently? (laughs) Very delicately, usually at first, because if you're the partner points out to, you know, that I think you have blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If they have that, they're going to go into denial and get angry. And that sets the whole stage. So usually people hear podcasts, people hear, you know, they hear about it. A friend mentions it to them. Well, you might consider this if you go to an intimacy anorexic coach like myself or a therapist who uh, has a specialty in that, they will bring it up. But really, the key thing is, is if you ask the questions, three or more are answered yes, then that's a red flag that you might want to look at yourself as a possibility of uh, having the symptoms of intimacy anorexia. And then the next question is, all right, so let's say I have it. Do I want to shift it? Do I really want to be in the relate? Am I more committed to being with this person or am I more committed to being separate, being distant? And that's for a lot of people. It's a, you know, it's a very challenging question in this context. It is. So given that they will be looking for treatment, uh, ways of recovery, that also implies recognizing that you have the problem. I'm thinking here about people who are going through this right now. And they don't know, let's say one of the partners, they listen to this podcast and they know for sure that their partner has the issue. How do they approach them? What's the best way to approach? Would you suggest asking the questions? That would be yes. That would be number one, because there it is. I mean, that it's really difficult to deny it, even though they, they probably will. But I think the questions are really key. And then if you once again answer yes to at least three, four or five of the uh, characteristics, there's a good chance that uh, you have the symptoms of intimacy anorexia. Then the next question is, do you really want to do something about it? 
how committed are you? Because that's a big one. A lot of intimacy anorexics are more committed to being alone and keeping distance than they are. And they don't get the impact on their partner. That's the big one. I see this over and over and over again, you know, and then the wife says, and this is kind of a real life situation. Boy, you used to be so open and so vulnerable. What happened? And then they feel like, you know, when you were dating me, you were X, you were, you were one way, but they don't understand that the constant badgering and criticizing and withholding has an impact. And then eventually the uh, partner shuts down. Wow. When you say that's really hard for people who realize that they have the problem, even if they get there, to get out of that maze, right? That trap, that idea of, of wanting to be alone. Oh, I prefer to be alone than to change because it's always harder to change, obviously. Oh, really? Huh. I thought most people wanted to be in a relationship. Yeah, maybe once different from um, actually committing, right? And in, in being in a healthy relationship, because I think our conversation today is about being in a healthy relationship, what it takes to be there. It takes work. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> yes. And a lot of communication and a lot of vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah. Mm, so true. So true. So let's say they recognize the problem. And now what? What are the best treatments? Well, one of the uh, a guy named Doug, Dr. Doug Weiss came up with uh, what he calls the three dailies, where you, you initiate exercises, there's feeling exercises, praying together. There are groups out there for intimacy anorexics. Definitely, you want to find someone who knows about it, who specializes it, whether it's an intimacy anorexic recovery coach or a therapist, all of that. And you have to have the desire to want to transform it. Otherwise, it's very, very difficult. It's one of the hidden addictions. And like all addictions, you have to really have a big enough why to transform it. Yeah, that is so true. You have to want to transform, to change. And then you're saying that we addicted to quite the opposite of staying the same. Yeah, well, yeah. And this is considered, intimacy anorexia is considered a hidden addiction. You know, most people don't realize it. And yet statistics now show, like I said at the beginning of the, this interview, that 30 to 40 percent of relationships, one of the partners or both experience intimacy anorexia, sleeping in separate rooms, uh, you know, just withholding, withholding love and, and creating distance. That is amazing. And you're saying one of the biggest causes for this is trauma, childhood trauma. Yeah, childhood trauma. And then, of course, like I said, too, the trauma of uh, infidelity, the trauma of uh, finding your partner, like we talked about last time with the Internet. And then the partner feels less than that they're not enough. Right. So in other words, being afraid, it's fear. Yeah, fear is a big piece. Yes. Yeah, that's underneath it for sure, Valeria. Do you connect fear to addiction most of the time or all the time. It's always the case. It's not like a black and white where it's fear. A lot of the, the men and women that I see with uh, in recovery, there's a lot of anger and a lot of shame with the fear. Oh, it's the combination of feelings. Yes. Yes. Would you like to add anything that I didn't cover with my questions before I begin asking you my final questions? Unrelated. <laughs> I think we covered it. I think people, whoever listens to this will now be aware of intimacy anorexia and they'll be able to look to see if it's in their relationship and what they could do to get help. What is your idea of a healthy relationship? Can you give three to five components? I would say communication. And what I mean by communication is to be able to actively, on purpose, share 
authentic and being very authentic with how you feel. Not blaming, but to come from feelings. I think that's very, very important. I think touch, connection, intimacy in the bedroom, very, very important. It doesn't have to be sexual. No, no, no. It's the connection of two people connecting on that level, like what we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes. You know, a lot of people don't. And that's a big missing for a lot of people. Just the, it's the connection. And then, of course, the spirituality part, you know, like you don't have to be both be Jewish or both be Catholic or both be Buddhist. But to be able to share within the spirituality, because I believe that uh, as human beings, you know, there's a component for that. And in a healthy relationship, to be able to connect that way is very, very powerful. Yeah, I agree. When you say to be authentic, just to be you. Yeah, that means the relationship is giving you the space just to be yourself without fear, or without any negative responses. Yeah. Exactly. So let me ask you my final questions. What comes to mind? What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? Well, years ago, I discovered that, that I have the characteristics of uh, sex and love addiction and then went into recovery from that. And then from that, I saw that I had components of intimacy anorexia because prior to that, I had no clue. It was underneath my radar. So I've taken that and used it as a gift to help other people transform it. That is so wonderful. Yeah, what a, what a great thing. What is another word for life? For life? Hmm. I don't, I don't know what another word is, but when you ask the question, what, what I think of in life is to, is to share the experience of love. And I don't mean like romantic love, falling in love, love, but just love, because I've learned that love is the, has the frequency to heal anything. What is love to you? Love to me. So when you asked me at the beginning about uh, God and I said source, to me, that's love. To be able to, for me, to see whoever I'm in front of, to see them as a manifestation of God, that to me is love. And that frequency, that energy field. It feels like freedom, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. What is another word for healing? Again, I'm, what I hear in my head is, you know, love again, because without love, it's very, very difficult to heal, to really heal on a deep level. I think love is uh, fundamental, whether it's loving yourself, loving another, you know, not to get off track of your question. A lot of people who experience pain, you know, oftentimes there's suppressed hit, you know, resentments and anger and you know, things like that. So to transform that, love is the highest frequency, at least in my in my yeah, world. Yeah, of course. Yeah, th yes, a thousand times for that. If you knew you would die later today, would you have started your day the same way? Yeah, today I would have. Yeah, if I knew, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that is great. Um, what are three things you believe everyone should know before they die? I'm going to put myself and answer it from that perspective. So one of the things that I would want to know is I'd like to know God, to really experience the oneness of God. And I'd like to experience that before I transcend into another realm. That's very, very big and important to me. And if I can share that and share that wisdom with others, and that makes a difference for them, sign me up. <laughs> That'll be the second thing or three and two let's see so uh, experiencing god god love and happiness the experience of god what god is the experience of love and happiness 
And I believe that by experiencing the oneness of God, love and happiness will be tied in. And I think by generating love and happiness, that's the way to access the oneness with God. So I think they're all intertwined. Yeah, how great, Michael. I love the way you connect life to God and love, healing to love and God. Everything goes back in a way to the source. You call it source. I call it the universe, the absolute. Yeah, all the same. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for our conversation again. It's been meaningful. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria. Where can we find more information about you, your work, your books, services, future projects? Well, I have two websites. I have uh, transformingtrauma.net, and then I have breakthroughaddictionrecovery.net, and I could be reached at 805-256-0372. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Michael, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michael Roth, please visit his website, BreakthroughAddictionRecovery.net. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Thank you.